There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Oye, mi gente, I just want to give you a heads up. The program you are about to hear may have some explicit language. It may not. It also depends on where the vibes and the spirit leads us. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Morenita, a deep dive into the Latinx experience. With Morenita, we want to create a community and a shared space with you while sharing knowledge and inspiration. This show is about celebrating our culture with guests who exemplify the best of us. I'm Darlene Castillo, y te invito. Oye, mi gente, today we have Vitalia Tisfield. Talia is a Haitian Puerto Rican actor and coach. And if you've owned a television, you've probably seen her on it. She holds an extensive resume and has been seen on shows such as FBI, Succession, Trollstopia, Veep, and so, so, so many more. Not only is Talia killing the TV film game, she is a stage actress as well. She has just finished starring in a play called Windfall, directed by the Jason Alexander. That's right, George from Seinfeld at the Bay Street Theater. Thalia is a force and she is unapologetically, authentically herself, which explains why we here at Morenita are obsessed with her. And trust me, you will be too. Thalia and I dive into her journey into the arts. She shares how her parents have always had a love for the arts and music and how that love was passed down to her. Also, how an unexpected casting moment changed her life forever. Oh, and warning, lion, tigers, and bears, oh my, had a hand in this. It's a good one, so stay tapped in. Thalia's journey to the stage and screen involves so much more than her artistry. We unpack how her cultural experiences have lended a hand throughout her journey in finding herself. So me being Dominican, I had to ask Thalia about her roots. I was curious if she had ever experienced any identity struggles within her Haitian culture. Now, if you share Caribbean roots, 
you might understand what I'm talking about. And if you're Dominican, you especially know what I'm referring to, Haitians versus Dominicans. So now this might get controversial, but a little controversy can bring out some great insight and some deep thoughts. Thalia and I, we dive right in on this topic. We don't hold anything back. We definitely don't shy away from it. And I don't want to spoil it for you. Just so you know, no sugarcoating. And a reminder to you all that we are speaking from our own personal experiences. And here we are sharing it with you. Te invito. Thalia, welcome to Morenita. Like typical New Yorkers. <laughs> What's up? Yes. Uh, okay. So first off, just so the listeners are aware, you and I have known each other for a very long time. Darylin, it's been like over a decade. Wow. A decade. I, I met you when I was, I was like fresh. I was like just starting. I was like, you were a little baby. Industry. What's this? <laughs> you came through like, I'm just a baby. <laughs> And Thalia was like, okay, girl, let me tell you what's popping. I mean, that was 10 years ago, but I was uh, like, I definitely was already approaching my pee-pee phase. So you were like, I you took, took us all under your wing. Yeah. At that time, <laughs> we did a show called Marie Christine. <laughs> yes. Years ago in like, I don't even remember where it was like by the World Trade Center. It was like some random theater it yeah, was it was like a University. warehouse. It was a Columbia University production, which I don't and even we, know if they we do did anymore. It, we did it in a warehouse type of situation, right? Like it was a studio warehouse performance space down in the financial district. So weird. But it was fun. I made a lot of friends we made on a that gig. I, I mean, we made a lot of friends that I think, I mean, I still talk to to this day, which is rare in this industry. Yeah. Um, but let's back Back it up, back it up, back it up a little bit about you. How did you catch the bug? Ooh. So if I'm going to be honest, I got to give you like the childhood tea. Okay, okay. Um, I kind of fell into this by accident. My mom was a working mom. My dad uh, is a photographer. And so he worked from home. And so summertimes, I was a camp kid. They mm. just needed to get me out of the house. Um, and so I... I had done every camp you could think of, like science camp, art camp, like every sport camp. And one summer, my mom was like, okay, we're going to try theater camp. And I was like, hmm, all right. <laughs> so I go and, you know, we have our little auditions on like the first day. We're doing the whiz. And I really wanted to be the lion because, ya tu sabe, like, I love to entertain. <laughs> I wanted to be the fun one. I wanted to be the one in the best, most, like, outrageous costume. So I got up there with my little, this is going to age me. I got up there with my little Walkman tape cassette with the yes, headphones. the Walkman. I had the, I had the music in my ears. And I sang Vanessa Williams' Save the best for last. Yes. <laughs> I clearly knew nothing about singing for the role that you wanted to audition for. You said, I'm going to sing this song that I like and you guys are going <laughs> to like it. So. Exactly. So then the cast list goes up like the next day. Mom picks me up from camp and I'm I'm just bawling. 
And she thinks that, like, I didn't get a part or, like, I, you know, I wasn't happy. Like, it, I, I was in the ensemble or something. And she goes, oh, well, you know, like, what part did you get? And I said, I got Dorothy. Darylin, I was so mad. We're I was like, like damn. <laughs> in my little, like, fourth grade head, I was like, that hoe's boring. <laughs> Fuck this bitch. Like, who wants to play Dorothy? I want to wear the fur. Where's the fur at? Already in, like, the fourth grade, I knew you need to dress me in fur, baby. Like, I don't want no, like, checkered dress. So I was mad. Um, Then cut to the next day when we started rehearsals and I realized that everything was about me. And here we are. That is how we got here, Daryl. you could thank my mother for putting me in theater camp because it was all downhill from there. So from there, that was it. You caught it. You were like, this is it. And you grew up where? Uh, in Connecticut. My whole family's from the city. I spent a lot of time in the city. I split time between Connecticut and the city. But technically, uh, I was raised and went to school in Connecticut. Um, so, yeah. But my parents really made sure to instill the arts um, into me, make it... a a huge part of my life. Like I said, my father's a photographer. Um, You know, we grew up with pretty modest, like lower, middle, upper, middle class in between their um, household. We lived in like a little two-bedroom condo in a small town in Connecticut uh, until I was 13. And our house, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but my parents spent their money on art. So we had this little condo with fabulous art on the walls. And like my parents, every Sunday, it was no TV in the morning. Mom would make brunch and we would play music and Mm. it was classical music and jazz. And so um, I was one of those kids that tried everything. Like, I'm going to do gymnastics. I'm going to play piano. I'm going to do. But always art was a part of my life. So um, and going to the city was a big part of that, too. So, yeah, I think we've spoken about that a bunch of times where we both have that, those similarities of being having the, the exposure of being in the city and being able to see our people <laughs> and people that look like us. Yeah. And then for me going to Rockland County, you know, being the only Dominican, the only brown Latina in the room you know, that gave me insight on like, oh, there's more out there in the world. And I tell people, I'm Afro-Latina. My, mm-hmm. my father's from Haiti. My mom's Puerto Rican. Um, so I don't really identify with the whole like mixed kid conundrum mm. because even though I grew up in a predominantly white town, um, I was so surrounded by both of my cultures uh, that I was never lacking or wanting for that. Mm. Um, And as a little kid with a big ass mouth, (laughs) I made sure everybody in that white town knew who I was. Right. You know, like there was no question. Like I was the multi-culti black and Latina kid. Yeah. And everybody knew it. And I didn't shy away from it. And I think that that's a credit to my parents because Mm. of the food we ate and the music we played and, you know, them getting me out of town and bringing me into the city. Um, So I was able to bring that into my suburban experience. I'm always like, how did you do that? Like, I hope whenever I have kids, I hope that I'm able to instill that in my children. It's something that I think about constantly because I'm like, I I don't have like the formula that my parents instilled that confidence or like that, that knowing of who I am, that knowing of being of who I am. And I'm always like, how did y'all do that? Yeah. 
of course, like the music and the, and all of that. But like, I remember being challenged as a younger kid in these white neighborhoods and, you know, obviously having that same energy of like, I'm Dominican. You don't know what it is. Google it. Like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, go get a book. I, I can't help you. <laughs> Right. There was no question. There was no question. And right. and I didn't I didn't shy away from it at all. Um, and as a matter of fact, I even have like some memories of like being a kid and finding ways to like incorporate my Latinidad and like my my Afrocentral roots mm. in like in my schoolwork when it was time to do a biography or something like write a biography or do a project. I was always seeking out, um, you know, inspiration from, I think I did a biography on Sammy Davis Jr. And another one, I wrote a biography, I think in the fourth grade on like Celia Cruz. Mm. And then I wrote one on, on Jim Henson because obviously Muppets, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> balance y'all, balance. <laughs> my influences were from so many, so many places. Like I was such a nerd. I was so obsessed with comic books and Muppets and like animation. Um, but then, you know, we would dance salsa in the living room. Yeah. Like, don't ask me to dance salsa though. I'm a terrible partner. <laughs> Why? Do you, I grew do you, up, is it because you only like to lead? Is that the problem? I only can lead. I So I think the reason why I can't dance with a partner is because, and you know this, oh my God, we talked about this <laughs> at the last too. dance callback that we had together. We were in a, in a dance callback together a few months ago <laughs> and uh. I was panicking. I had never been in a dance callback where they made you partner for In the Heights. Yes, and remember, yes. I was panicking. And I think the reason why I'm a terrible partner is because I didn't have a sibling until I was 13. My brother wasn't born until I was 13. And all my cousins lived in New York. And none of them really danced either. Yeah. Like, none of my cousins really danced. The only people who, like, really danced were, like, the tias and, like, the older cousins, like, my mom's cousins. So, like, they would kind of, like, groove with me. We would go to Jones Beach and, like, they would pull out the drums and everything. But, like, I didn't have anybody to actually partner with. And then we'd go home to Connecticut and like there wasn't anybody in Rocky Hill, Connecticut that I was partnering <laughs> with. So I would just dance by myself. You're like, that's all I know. <laughs> and so listen, give me give me a beat. And like I will spin myself. I will dip myself. I will do all the tricks, but try to do that with a partner. No, I can't. <laughs> See, my problem is I just don't like it when people lead me. I'm like, let me lead, especially when it's a man and we dance. And I'm like, I think at the audition, I mean, my poor partner, he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Bless you. I don't I remember. remember your name, but bless. And then Luis, which we've had on the show here before, Luis Salgado, um, he came to dance with me and partnered with me for a second. He's like, yo, let me lead. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Listen, uh, no. meanwhile, he tried, he danced with me and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Because I knew he was just going to move me around like a rag doll. Yep. That's that was what like, he does. Yes. And that, and I... Oh, he made me feel like a lady. I was, I like, I didn't have to do anything. I was like, yes, move me around, spin me around. I walked out of that dance audition feeling like, I was like, oh, I just killed it. Knowing very, <laughs> very damn well that I probably didn't just kill, kill it. Luis just threw me around like a ragdoll and made me look good. Shout out to Luis Salgado for throwing <laughs> us all around like ragdolls, but also making us feel so special. He's incredible. Such a great... I mean, that was my first time ever seeing him in action and like dancing in action. And I was like, okay, I'd 
feel it. I, I the, understand the energy. It. The, energy. the energy was so good. And also, like, how many times have you ever been in a dance call where we've gotten to do that as a community? Also, like that was that was I, I've been to a few in the Heights calls and I've never been to one like that. In the Heights auditions um, are always going to feel different than any other audition. Mm-hmm. Even even as somebody who's multiculti, like even when I go to um, an audition for like a predominantly black show, it's different. An all Latino show, it's like going to the club. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> you know? You have and, to. And it's like the waiting room is like everybody knows everybody. They're speaking Spanish. Like, and you know me, like, I don't even speak Spanish like that, but I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Like, <laughs> you know, getting in on the conversations. But that one, you're right. That one in particular. And I don't know if it's because it was coming off of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that had to be part of it. But, you know, for those who weren't in the room, Luis started the dance call back with, all of us in a circle and just really focusing our energies and connecting. And it was so special. And it was really just a testament to how Latin culture is really about community Mm -hmm. and the way in which that when we got that dance call started, the way in which everybody was helping each other. I had never been in a call where you could feel everybody rooting for you. There was no competition. At all. Everybody just wanted everybody to feel, look, and do good. Yep, yep. And so, like, I could have fallen flat on my face. I didn't, though. That's right. (laughs) But I could have fallen flat on my face, and I still would have walked out of that room being like, this was the best call I've ever had because the energy was just right. It was, and it it actually was for me, my first time ever going in for In the Heights. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prinze Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, We know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the My Cultura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. 
Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Something that I want to touch base with you on because I'm just curious especially being Dominican, but I'm curious for you, your connection with your Haitian roots. I have just never understood the disconnect. I have always viewed it as a family. It's the same island, but there is like this deep rooted, obviously historical hatred. (laughs) Um, I think also from, it could be from both ends. And I'm so fascinated to hear your experience of being Haitians to me are like, I don't see them as far as off Latinos as, I mean, I don't understand that. So I'm so curious for you, how you dealt with that growing up. I'm not Haitian, but I've heard so much about it within my culture and within the Caribbean culture. And I'm just so curious what that experience was like for you being both Latina and Haitian. That's an incredible question. Um, I will say, you know, to a certain extent, uh, naturally, I am a little bit biased. So before I even get into that, I will acknowledge that. Um, But I am a person, and I think you know me to be a person who really tries to be diplomatic and see both sides. That being said, that wasn't something that I really dealt with until adulthood. Mm. Um, Mostly because where I grew up, there were more Puerto Ricans than Dominicans Mm. in Connecticut. And I just wasn't aware of that history until I got older. Um, I became aware of it when I got older, but still it never really affected me until I moved here Mm. to this neighborhood. I live in Hamilton Heights, just below Washington Heights. There is a rich Dominican community here, as well as others. There are actually, there's a Haitian church uh, right down the street from my apartment. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a mixture, but it's it's mostly Dominican. And um, I remember a long time ago, I was working in a little restaurant down the street, like on 142nd. And these two adorable little viejitas come in. Like they were, they were best friends. These two panas come in <laughs> and they order their little cervezas and they're sitting by the window and they were adorable. And then they start talking to me and, you know, I'm answering in my like Spanglish. But basically they're saying to me like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Mira, mira los ojos. And for those who don't, who can't see me or don't know me, I have blue eyes. The most They're- beautiful eyes I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, people think they're cool, but they're going on on, oh my God, oh my God, what are you? And I answer and I'm like, my mother's Puerto Rican, my dad's Haitian, and immediately mm. their faces. <gasps> I know. Mm. I piano know. And the reaction was like, you can't possibly look like this Mm. and you're Haitian. That was the first time 
I had ever experienced that. And then I think that opened up the door for me noticing microaggressions here in my neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know, going out to a bar, talking to some guy and being like, damn, he's like, oh, where are you from? What's your background? (laughs) And, you know, and I'll be like, Puerto Rican and Haitian. He's like, oh, you Haitian? So it's something that's still kind of new to me. And my thoughts around it are that, you know, it's a form of colorism. It's Mm -hmm. a form of racism. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. just like any other racism, it it does. It starts in the family. I know most of my Dominican friends do not share that sentiment. Um, I think it's an old school, uh, antiquated point of view as well. And because of that, I think that's why it it, it has to be ingrained in family to carry on. Um, So I think younger generations are letting go of Mm -hmm. that sentiment. Um, It also is just prevalent on the island. I think people here who still have that mentality are people who emigrated from island. Yeah, because even I have like younger cousins and the the mentality, it, it has stuck because they have come from the island. This is where my bias may come in, but I think it really comes from a lack of understanding about the history. Mm. Um, There is a lot of confusion about who took over who, who kicked who out, who did this and that. And we're talking about hundreds of years ago, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But fact of the matter is, is we're on the same island. And you mentioned that, you know, you don't think that Haitians are that far off from Latinos. Well, they're not. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're on the same island and there are, there are so many Haitian Dominicans who acknowledge their Latinidad. Um, and there are so many Haitians who may not have uh, direct Dominican blood, who still consider themselves Latinos in a, uh, or Latine in a certain aspect because we're on the same land. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could go on and on about the actual history that that's misinterpreted and misunderstood. But basically... Um, what it boils down to is, and, and this is the same thing for colorism in the African-American community, what it boils down to is the perpetrator is the colonizers. And mm-hmm. the colonizers were the Spaniards. And, you know, if we want to talk about who did what to who, that's what it boils down to. But because Haitians and Dominicans are the ones who are now on the island, they are the ones who are blaming each other. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. It just gets passed on and passed on. And um, I think any people who are going through a struggle or living in adversity or underprivileged or, you know, there's going to be animosity and there's going to be um, a, a, a want and a need to point a finger Right. At a cause. And I think that's a lot of what's happening. Um, but basically, it's about misunderstanding. It's yeah. about not really understanding um, our own history and not being able to let go. Hmm. Um, you know, I think there is a lot to be said for generational trauma. And, um, you know, especially when it comes to 
Black community, African-American community, and the way in which we still struggle with and hold on to the trauma of our slave ancestors. I think that that can also be applied to a certain extent, but there also has to be the personal responsibility of saying, I acknowledge this trauma. I acknowledge and honor the experience of my ancestors, but I am me. I am Talia Caridad Thiesfield in 2022, and this is the trauma I need to learn to let go. These are the ingrained things that have been taught to me that I need to let go. We need to take personal responsibility for changing the narrative. Absolutely. I think that was beautifully said and beautifully answered. Um, And just a curiosity going further into this question, you mentioned you've dealt with it more, you know, moving into Hamilton Heights and, and seeing it more in that area and that energy. Is it ever something that you've ever confronted your family with and kind of like talked with them about because it was something you've never experienced when you were younger? You know, what's funny? Um, I think part of the reason I was such a <laughs> strong willed, opinionated kid and person for a very long time. Uh, Those who know me know I've chilled out a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I used to, you know, I was OG Facebook, like, like going off on people. Um, I think the reason why I, I grew up like that is because when I faced any kind of racism as a child, and again, it wasn't something I came up against often, but, you know, the first time somebody called me the N-word on the playground, I kicked them in the balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, what? Ka-ka! Like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, hesitate. and I think that's partly because my father, um, he didn't acknowledge racism. He was like, I don't care what you say. Hmm. Like, you can call me, you can call me the N-word, you can call me whatever you want, but like, I'm not that. Mm. So bye, you right. know, and, and and that's kind of what he put in me. So like, I've never really been one. Whenever somebody's come at me with racism, for the most part, it doesn't bother me. I just laugh at it because I'm like, okay, like, right, right. What does that mean? Even <laughs> tell me something I haven't heard, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like once I, I remember one time when I was living in LA, and this was like. Um, during Obama's first uh, run for president, there was like some woman, she happens to be black in a Ross and something happened. The cashier happened to be Asian and she went off on the Asian woman. And I was like, yo, sis, like, we're not doing that. Not this, not when we about to have a black president. Don't, cause she was calling her like racist names. And I was like, sis, don't do that. And she turned to me and she called me a half breed. Ooh. Ooh. And I looked her in the face. Ooh. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and I think my my response was like, well, you about to have a half breed president, so have a good day. Right. Like I don't like I just was so unbothered by it. I was like, what does that even yes? I mean, if if we're gonna get technical, I mean, yeah, I'm a half breed is a shitty name for it, but like, yeah, okay. So like all this to say that when I've noticed Stuff like this, um, first of all, like I said, 
I, I didn't start noticing um, this kind of animosity towards the Haitian community until I was an adult, until I lived here. And I think I, I already had been able to like process things differently. Right. Um, so I never really went to my parents about it. I never really talked about it. I think I kind of was just like, that's stupid. <laughs> right, right. Because that was the energy that you were receiving from home too. It was like, not, yeah. why talk? What's the point? What's the point? It never made sense to me. Like that animosity never made sense to me because I'm like, yo, we're on the same island. Right. Also, listen, this again, here comes the bias. Also, <laughs> What the fuck are y'all complaining about? We the one with the hurricanes and the earthquakes. Y'all chill it. Like, tell me how we're on the same island and Haiti is getting all the natural disasters and you're just like, ah, <laughs> like salsa on the beach. You know, I never understood it. I never understood it and I never ingested it. I never, I never, I never let it. It just never really affected me because I just thought it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> I love that. I love that answer. And I honestly, nobody I know of any worth to me who's Dominican mm. has any inkling of that mindset, that sentiment. And so, like, you know, it ain't my business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll just take half of it. It's fine. I'm right. good. Y'all can, right. you know, whatever. And listen, I tell people I'm half Puerto Rican and half Haitian. So as far as I'm concerned, that makes me like honorary Dominican. I mean, you, I mean right? you you've always been invited to the cookout on my end. Like if you put <laughs> if you put a Puerto Rican and a Haitian together, doesn't wouldn't that make a Dominican? I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. The the audience might have to weigh in on that one. <laughs> some, some Dominicans would be like, "No," you but I'm like, "No." Be be honest. You, be honest, I y'all. Mean, listen, you fan, you you already been fam for a decade for me, so you already been been at the cookout on my end. So I already, already had your card. Off. I'm gonna piss off all your audience members, but newsflash, Dominicanos, <laughs> you're black. Oh, they know that. This is this is like what the 40th episode. They, right. they, they've been hearing that from you're, me. You're black, so <laughs> black and Puerto black, Rican, black. Puerto Rican, and Haitian is makes a Dominican. That's how you make a Dominican. Newsflash. That's, that's how we mix it up. That's how we mix it up. Um, I want to revert back to you because I just think because it's all about me. Exactly. Let's <laughs> swing it on back to Dorothy. It's all about Dorothy. Um, it's just it's. Hearing you speak about where you come from and who you are and your beliefs and how strong you are in that, it I've already known all that about you, obviously, but I think it also like helps our listeners understand the kind of artist that you are and the person that you are, which is really important, I think, now more than ever. Um, and the work that you do. And I'm curious how your experiences have bled into your art and how that's made you who you are and the work that you're doing now and the work that you're focused on doing now as an Afro-Latina. Because I know it's evolved for me personally. From the person that you met and Marie Christine, I'm not that same person anymore, right? We don't take the same mm -hmm. jobs. We ain't out here saying, yes, yep, yes, um, yes, sir. Mm -hmm, uh -huh, yep, nope, none of that. We ain't doing that no more. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I am also a coach um, and I... A lot of my coaching work um, is a result of the self-awareness I gained as an actor. Mm. In retrospect, looking back, I think what I struggled the most with was authenticity. Mm. 
Um, I think a lot of artists struggle with that. I think that's one of the, because we're always in our heads, you know, yeah. we're always in that, in that mindset. Yeah. And it was a real mind fuck growing up, um, getting older. And like I said, being confronted with my identity as an adult and a young adult, because I had never had that confusion um, as a kid. So, you know, when I went into, when I, when I stepped into the professional industry, um, I really found myself trying to fit in um, and fit boxes to be black enough, to be Latin enough. Um, and I think, you know, over time, the lessons that my parents taught me about uh, not caring what people think, you know, being unapologetic about who I am, being unapologetic about being Afro-Latina, mm. Haitian, and Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it took a long time. It took a lot of trial and error. But I think that is what really shaped and changed my work as an artist. Because I would say, you know, it's been pretty recent. Recent being somewhere between the last, like, five to seven years that I really feel like I'm bringing myself to my work, um, you know, and, and, and my experiences, um, finding ways. I just did, uh, before the pandemic, I did Into the Woods and I played the witch. And it was the first time that I could really incorporate my experience, my individual experience as a Black woman um, to the role. Hmm. Uh, and I think, I think that was self-awareness. I think that's just growth, maturity. Um, but yeah, I, I do find myself, um, bringing a more authentic version of myself that doesn't feel like I'm trying to be someone else's perception of what, my culture should be. And that also applies to being a woman. Uh, you know, I, I am my own woman. I am not, being a woman of color is not a monolith. Um, and really embracing that. And most recently as a coach, I've really taken that and made that the cornerstone of my work as a coach. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that a lot of my clients, um, come back to me because they feel seen uh, as people of color, as people on the um, LGBTQIA plus spectrum, um, because I, I, I really just have a passion for making people feel safe and comfortable in bringing themselves into their art. Um, mm -hmm. It feels like, you know what it feels like, Darlin? It feels like something so inherent and natural that was just chilling and mm. like lying dormant in me for years. And I don't, 
to be honest, I don't know what it was that unlocked it, but sometime around like five to seven years ago, something broke open and I was like, fuck this shit. Mm. Like this breakdown says this. I got a version of this. I don't know if it's what they want, but this is what they're going to get. Right. And being okay with that and releasing any judgment with that, I think when I learned to do that as a person in life, then I was able to do it as an artist. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, in order to have the freedom that we want as artists, you have to find that freedom as a human being. You have to find the freedom to let go of self-judgment and judgment of others. You need to learn how to adopt an attitude of gratitude mm. um, and be grateful for the things you have and not focus on the things that you don't. Um, and that, I mean, I think growing up as a woman of color, that that was a journey for me. Yeah. You know, looking yeah. at other people, playing the comparison game, mm. wondering why these people had something and I didn't, wondering, you know, why I wasn't black enough or why I wasn't Latin enough or, you know. Yes. Yeah. Once I let go of all that and said, that's not my concern. Right. My concern is being a bomb ass human being, being good to people, leaving whatever little mark on this tiny little speck of a planet that I can. And that's it. And applying that to everything that I do and my work and, and trying to impart that on other people as an educator and a coach. And you're doing it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a witness of it. You're doing it. And um, I mean, as I mentioned in the intro for Talia, like, I mean, I can't even count on my hands the number of TV shows you may have seen her face <laughs> on and the incredible work that she does on the stage. Um, I know that you mentioned that Into the Woods was a was a changing moment for you. Is there something else that really stood out where like it felt like you were a new person after that experience? Like what was that? What was that five, seven year? What was that moment for you? I would say right after that, that was like the what cracked the door open. Mm -hmm. And the next show I did about a month later, and it was my last show before the pandemic, was In the Heights. Mm -hmm. And I played Daniela, and never before have I ever felt so connected to a role. Mm. Like, you know, especially because when In the Heights came out, I was a little bit younger. Um, <laughs> we and I was all. <laughs> yeah. I was going out for like Nina and Vanessa, even though I kept telling them I can't dance. Um, but I kept, you know, I had aged into... Daniela and I was like oh my god this is why I haven't booked this show yet like mm. this is me like all day every day and again it was my version mm. of Daniela like anybody who saw that show and I'm gonna pat myself on the back on this shit you couldn't tell me that wasn't unequivocally me in that role. Hmm. Like I gave all of my spirit to that. And I had so much pride in being Afro-Latina in that show. Um, and that really, yeah, that was a show where I really was like, I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> and the pandemic happened. And unfortunately, you know, things shut down for a bit. And, and I wasn't really able to parlay that 
into a, a, another show for until this summer. And um, I just finished up a show at Bay Street Theater in the Hamptons. Um, I did a show called Windfall, directed by Jason Alexander. First of all, I just got to say that Jason Alexander is a gem of a human being. And um, we had some really deep discussions about my identity. Um, you know, there was a moment in directing me that, um, you know, he was trying to get me to go in a different direction. And uh, there were moments where he was he was telling me, don't make her quite so aggressive. And I had to sit him down and we had a conversation about what the direction it's too aggressive mm. mean means mm. to a Black woman, to a Latina woman. What it means for me to negotiate that mm. and, um, you know, reinterpreting what his direction was in a way that didn't feel triggering and 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 um, was more productive for me. So that was a pretty cool um, learning experience. That was really the first time that I was able to safely, I wouldn't say the first time because it happened with, with Into the Woods. That was the, the starting moment. But I feel so much more confident and able to have those kinds of conversations about my identity and how it relates to the circumstances of the work and the character and how to effortlessly, maybe not effortlessly because art is not always effortless. Yeah, thoughtfully. Art is not not always effortless, (laughs) but thoughtfully, consciously, um, blend the two so that I am honoring my experience and myself and 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 what I bring to this role as well as the writer's vision, the director's vision. That's the know, battle. And that's so the on. battle. Yeah. That's always the battle. I understand exactly what you're saying. It that's that's most of the battle because it's like how do you not walk in there and you're not like fuck you <laughs> or kick them in yep. the balls or then the other end yep. of it then you're quiet and then you're feeling like you're dying inside and you're like, I hate coming to work every day. So finding that balance. Yeah. Honestly, that comes with age Mm. because I'm going to tell you what, do I want to tell my, I'm not going to say my, I'm usually not one who's like, (laughs) I'm not telling my age, but it's a podcast. So like it's forever. So I might, I I don't want to change my mind. So I'm 26 anyways, moving on. (laughs) I mean, retinol and hyaluronic acid. Um, But uh, I I will say I am a woman of a certain age. And when I turned this certain age uh, recently, I I really said, fuck it. Mm. Um, And and I woke up the morning of my birthday. I had been kicking and screaming on the way to my birthday. And I woke up on my birthday and I was like, oh my God, none of this matters. Mm. Like so much doesn't matter. So much is not worth my energy. And, you know, that really changed my work. Like aging and self-awareness and my God, how that will change your work. The way I audition now, Darylin, I don't, I'm like, bam, boom, boom, let's do this. Two takes, tops. Done. Done. Like, not gonna spend three hours doing this. No. Who got the time to hem and haul over stuff and and perfect it? I don't give a damn about perfection. Mm-hmm. I give a damn about like punch them in the punch them in the face with some talent. Right. Tell right? the story. Boom. Boom. <laughs> tell a story. Like 
do good work, but like if I flub a line or if a hair is out of place or all the stupid shit that we used to worry about, if I, you know, I don't care who's who else is in the room or who else has been who has been invited to submit a tape. I don't care who else they're looking at. Like it's about me. <laughs> Dorothy. <laughs> don't y'all know? Like, that's how I approach it now. It's yeah. like, I don't give a damn. This is about me. This is my experience. This is how I want to live my life. I like Fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.orgslash CD for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Talia, we have reached the moment that we've all been waiting for. The moment oh God. of the questions, 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 questions. Questions, questions, questions. Okay. Favorite cartoon character growing up? Oh my God. Only one. See, there's a reason why you didn't you didn't give us these ahead of time <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Only one. Only one. Okay. Maleficent. Oh. I, I love... I love villains so much. I love that for you. I see and that she for was, you. She was the OG for me. I see you in that role. Wow. What does self-care look like for you? Skincare. I love 
skincare. And there's something, and it's not even like, it's not vain. There, It's ritualistic. I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. Self-care for me is about ritual because it really can be anything, but it's the act of ritual that really enriches the spirit. So whether your self-care is making tea or for some people, self-care is like shaving their whole body. Like that's <laughs> that's a ritual, getting in the shower, <laughs> scrubbing down, shaving their whole body. For me, it's the ritual of opening my little jars and putting the little dropper in my hand and, mm. you know, rubbing the, you know, spending time massaging my face, doing my little gua sha, yes. breathing. Like it's meditative. So yeah, that's, that's my version of self-care. I love that. I feel like I'm in a spa right now listening to you speak about your face regimen. I hit you with a voiceover voice. Yes. What reminds you of home or makes you feel at home? That's a really good question. Um, I feel like this is probably what a lot of Latina people say, but food? Yes. Yes, Food. I know it's hard. Nothing connects you. Nothing connects you to home quite like food. Okay. So like. So if we're going to narrow it down. What, what kind plate, of food? What is the dish? Okay. I think my favorite dish is different than the dish that connects me to home. Okay. So the dish that connects me to home is carne guisa. Yes. Like, like my grandmother. Oh my God. I just got like. I just got all the feels. (laughs) That probably is what connects me to home the most. But whenever like I'm here in the city and I want to feel a little bit of like, you know, of of my childhood and my home and my my family, I'll usually just order like a plate of arroz con habichuela or arroz con gandule, some like Oh, you know what really what really gets me is um, not everybody like really fucks with guineo the way I do. I love guineo. like I love guineo, and then like just like regular ass like the pepper steak that you get. Yes, you know. Yes. Or if I'm feeling real fancy, I will never say no to some mofongo. Of course, how could you? How could you? How could you? But I never had mangu until I moved here. Really? And oh, oh, y- y'all are onto something. I can show you the world. The, the sausage, <laughs> the sausage and the cheese. Ooh. Yes. All of that. All of mm-hmm, that. Honey. So food, 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 food. We got it. That's it. That's yep. the way to Talia's heart. That's it. <laughs> Talia, thank you so much for being on Moranita. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and opening yourself and um, and sharing your secrets of your artistry and how you are pushing and winning. And it's a beautiful sight. And I'm grateful to be a friend of yours and watch the journey. Un placer. I am, I am so thankful to have friends like you, especially Afro-Latina friends like you who are showing up for the community and teaching the people and really encouraging everybody to engage and listen and learn and love. I love you, girl. I love you, girl. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you for coming to Morenita. I can't wait to get some food with you. That's it. Yes. Bye, my love. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Morenita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.